once again. Thank you all for joining us. This is Nuance. And I am Mike Scala, joined, as always, by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip-hop artist and chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay? Man, just, uh, you know, it's morning time here. So thinking about, got a couple of things planned out for the day. So, uh, you know, been going through localization recently. So um, working on creating this app uh, under this contract for this company and um, going through putting it into uh, a second language now. Yeah. And you don't realize how much text you put into something, into a project until you have to go through and do it again. Right. Like all the, all the buttons, all the menu items, like every little thing that, that you put in when you're doing the localization, you got to go through and do it again in the separate language. Because you were doing it a little at a time initially, right? So you didn't realize all the work that was going into it. Right. So, you know, you get down and you're, you're like, you know, 20 pages deep or something like that. And every little thing has to be translated, right? So even if it's every item on the menu bar, but then even every button has a, has a text um, element on it. So even those buttons have to be changed. Even the thing that says print, when you want to go to print, you want to, you have to, you know, localize that. So it's like, you just don't realize how much text you put in initially. Cause like you said, it's a little at a time where you work on one page at a time and you move on and whatnot. Right. And also, I guess if it's in English, you're not even really putting much thought into the fact that you're doing it sometimes. Right. So right. it's a bigger thing now when you have to translate it and you start to realize, oh, I put all the stuff down already and I right. can translate it. Like, yeah. First time around, it's probably more like second nature. Okay, I got to add this. You know, you know, it's not even like registering in your head. This is more work that you're putting into it necessarily. Yeah. So it's 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 crazy. I'm like, Jesus Christ! There's so much stuff on this page. <laughs> yeah. But did you ever draft something and then lose it for whatever reason? Let's say your internet went out or your computer crashed, and you had that moment of freak out, like I got to start from scratch. But then when you go back to it. Sometimes it's actually not that difficult because it's still fresh in your head and you're thinking, wow, I could reproduce this entire thing pretty quickly. I'm like a machine and I didn't think I was able to do that. Um, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, it, d it depends on what it is. But you do get that feeling of like, oh, geez, not again. Like, I got to go through this whole thing again. Yeah. So. And then it's but, not as bad as you thought it would be somehow. Sometimes. Sometimes it is. <laughs> I don't know, it's happened to me a lot where I would write something and the internet would go down. Maybe I was on my phone or something and, you know, mm. freeze up or whatever. And I would, I would lose my draft and I would just panic. And then I would go back to it. And I'm like, it was basically in my head. So maybe it's like three or four paragraphs, but it just kind of comes back. It might not be word for word exactly the same, but I'll say like 99% right. the same without much effort, you know? Right. I just wrote it like maybe five minutes ago, not even, right? So it's still fresh in my head. Right. Yeah. So yeah that that sucks so in long things you know the key is save often yeah that's why i like google drive because it automatically saves for you as you go mm. anything very easily on that mm. yeah um it does that you know that happens in in music too like um mixing a session or recording a session like have you ever had that happen where it just crashes Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, I got to go back and either do all right. this. Your initial thought is, oh, man, it's all gone. It was the last save point, too, right? Because right. 
you're working on something and, and you get lost in it. You can be mixing something for six hours and you don't even know what time it is or how long you've been at. So but if it crashes, you're like, did I save it 10 minutes ago or three hours ago? And that right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and it and it could even be recording too. Like like, yeah. oh, I could re-record this and something. But a lot of times I'm I'm seeing at least more lately, and I don't know how long it's been, but some of these um DAR software, DAW softwares that have like auto saves mm. at save points. So you come back and you're you're not too far away from where right. you're at. Yeah, yeah no, even the software that I use has a version variation of that where mm. if it crashes and i open it up again it'll say do you want to continue where you left off right and if you say yes it's not always exact it's not always at the moment it crashed but it's at right. a point like a, like a backup point that automatically did usually in a relatively recent past right so maybe i lose the last 10 minutes of what i did but it's not too catastrophic yeah yeah absolutely so what's going on with you well, speaking of catastrophic, have you ever heard of Carvana, the app? No. I think you mentioned it to me a couple of days ago. Okay. Yeah, so I'm trying to sell my car, and Carvana was recommended to me. And it seemed like a good idea, right, where you just enter in all the information on your car, and they'll make you an offer immediately. Is it an offer that you can't refuse? <laughs> no. I mean, maybe, depending on your circumstance, right? But it's, I don't know, I'm, you know, I'm, everyone's experience may vary. My experience, this is the first time that I've tried using it, was they made an offer that was about 1000 maybe 2000 below the market value. And so you understand that to a degree, right? It's a business. They're trying to resell the cars. They've got to make a profit. And for you, it's just a convenience. It's like a premium that you're paying to not have to go through the hassle of selling it privately. So, you know, depending on if you want to put that work in or if you need that money or you know, whatever your circumstances, maybe it's a good deal for you to take. My issue, though, is the offer expires after a week, I think it is. And so they gave me an offer. I was like, all right, you know, decent. And I'll think about it. I came back to it after it had expired and I put my information back in and all of a sudden it was $2,000 cheaper than it was initially. I'm like, wow, it dropped $2,000 because they were already about a thousand or so below market. Now they're like 3000 plus below market. And that was getting to be an offer that I don't think I want to take, you know? Wow. That's a mass drop. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, wondering about that, I was like, does that happen to everyone? Are they doing that because they think you're getting desperate? Like you went back to them later because you couldn't sell it privately. So now you'll take even less money. Is that the thing? Or is it just a reflection of the market fluctuating? Because I called the dealership. I was like, maybe you guys can match this or do better. And they're, they're going to look into it. But they asked me what, what Carvana offered. And I told them the fluctuation. And they were like, wow, that, the market is crazy right now. So maybe that's just what it is. Maybe you can go back up there. I don't know. No, that's a that's a big that's a big, big drop. Yeah, yeah, for like a week, two weeks time for it to drop that much. You know what this it sounds like? It sounds like the um the criticism that people give over uh these uh air airline and hotel booking apps, especially the airline uh booking apps like Travelocity and Expedia and stuff like that. And they say like if you go in and say look for uh, a ticket going from New York to, I don't know, Puerto Rico or whatever, and you go in and the price will be one thing. And then if you go back in like a couple of days later, or you go back in shortly thereafter, the price is going to be higher because mm -hmm. the system knows that this is what you're looking for now. 
And right. so they put the price, the price automatically just to go higher. And so a lot of times what they do is they say, or they say people recommend going in um, and doing your initial search before you're ready to buy in a private browser. So it doesn't put a cookie on your, on your system. Right. Well, here's the thing. Check this out. When you put your information about your car, you have to put either your license plate or the VIN number of the car. So yeah. You can't just put in a similar car, they're like the same parameters, but they know exactly that it's your car that you're trying right. to find. Which is crazy. I mean, because you know, if you were trying to be devious, right, you could put right. in I don't know why you would do this, but let's say you're trying to screw someone else up. You could put in someone else's VIN number in and, and then mess up their deal. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's say you have an ex or you know, you're you're fighting with your spouse, whatever. Like, I'm gonna sell the car. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make sure you get two thousand dollars less because I'm gonna go in there. If that's how the system works, I don't know, but I thought right. it was crazy that because it seemed like I had put in that first inquiry. You know what I mean? I went back to it a couple of weeks later, and now it's two thousand dollars less. All of a sudden, whoa! Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a massive drop. Maybe yeah, check the game in a couple of days, huh? Yeah, yeah, no, right. Because the the guy at Lexus said the market's crazy right now, so that made me think maybe it just fluctuates. Maybe it'll go back up a little bit. I don't know. We'll have to see. You know, yeah, eat it. But at the end I of the day, about convenience too. You know, do, do you really want to deal with trying to sell it privately? Like, I'm just trying to get rid of this car. I'm going away for a while. I just don't want to deal with the hassle right now. You know? Yeah, I think again, a part of me would say when when you're asking that guy at the dealership and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, the market's crazy right now." I think he could be saying that because then they can justify coming back at a price that's slightly better than the two thousand right. dollar drop. Right. And, and look like they come out ahead as the hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the market. It's crazy right now. This is a crazy price. We can give. We can do a little bit better. Right. right? Otherwise, because normally maybe they would have to be two thousand dollars higher. But like, oh, this they're giving this. That's okay. Yeah, we'll give we'll give you ten dollars more. And yeah. so like, come with us. Well, I did get a letter from the dealership coincidentally today because I called them yesterday. I got a letter, but I think this letter I, I just have the same letter a while back. They just keep sending it, but they're saying that they'll give me better than market value for my car if I do a trade-in. So hmm. we shouldn't have to bicker about what Carvana is offering. <laughs> the price point should be what, what is the market value, right? Right. Yeah. So, well, maybe that's your option, trade-in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at that. Like I said, I was just trying to get rid of my car now because I'm going on vacation for a bit and I didn't really want to have to worry about getting a new car before that. You know, so right. that my thought process maybe carvana will give me a decent deal i'll get rid of my car put more money in my pocket for now and then when i get back from vacation i can start looking at new cars but you do let's face it you do save money by doing that trading so maybe it makes sense to do it all at once right right well what doesn't make sense is this green point serial litterer i'm still trying to figure out what's going on with this a very odd story that I came across in Gothamist, where it was apparently an NYPD sergeant, but they didn't know who was doing it. And almost every Sunday morning for four years, the people who lived on this quiet block in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, would mm. wake up to all kinds of sheets of paper scattered throughout the street. And mm. there's hundreds, thousands of pieces of paper. And this came from old Reader's Digest, Bibles, junk mail, even 1970s pornographic magazines. Mm. And there were block association meetings about this. Everybody was 
puzzled as to why are we waking up on a Sunday morning to all this paper being dumped on our block. And apparently sometimes some of the pages have words underlined and are trying to figure out the clues or they try to tell us something. It's some kind of weird fetish. What's happening here? Why is this happening? Right. Mm. Uh, eventually the residents of the block performed a series of overnight surveillance operations and dun, dun, dun. were able to dis- to discover who it was. Evidently they say it's an NYPD sergeant who lived on the block about 25 years ago since moved out to long island but apparently was putting pages of these books and publications and mail and all kinds of things in boxes in his car and every sunday almost will go out there and throw them all over the street now like not just not put the box there like he would just litter it yeah someone said it seems like sometimes he would be double fisted he would just take Paper just in each hand, throwing it everywhere. Throw them out the window, out the, I guess out, out out the passenger and the driver's side windows. Yeah, just throw them, all, throw them all over the street. Loose paper that he apparently very meticulously removed from these books. Why? Yeah, exactly. Why? What is this about? I don't think there's an answer to this yet. It's just, it's very bizarre. Now, What's- apparently, it was never enough at once to constitute a crime right it wasn't illegal dumping because there wasn't enough of it at once so you knew that and they never caught him in the act uh, at least the police never caught him in the act or sanitation never caught him in the act. so he wasn't able to get ticketed for it right apparently all that happened thus far is he was punished by the nypd if you want to call it that it took away one vacation day from him right but that's it nothing else happened and so it's just a very bizarre story why is this happening and you know what what is this about? Again, it's the block where he lived, right? His family had a house. Yeah, but that there. was like 20 years ago. 25 years ago, yeah. And now, apparently, and it stops. Since they figured out who it is, allegedly, it stops, right? But right. up until recently, it was going on almost every Sunday, they said, for, for like four years. All this paper being dumped on the block. They called him the book bandit. It, it stopped on that block. Maybe he's gone somewhere else now. Maybe. Like, what? <laughs> I, I mean, they haven't questioned him. The police haven't questioned him, or, or anything. Like- the the reporter apparently got a hold of him, but he hung up the phone. So, wow, they have a lot of information yet as to what's going on with this. Well, I think we could also potentially have found um, a solution to how you can get rid of your car. How? It's obviously good. It's obviously a good dumping spot. So just take your car there and just. Yeah, just leave it in balance. I'm sure they'd rather get a Lexus than pages from the 1970 pornos, man. I don't know. Depends on how much you like Bush. So, my question is... That was Carter. No, I'm just kidding. My my question is, where does he get all of these pages? Where is it? It says hundreds of pages. Like, is he just got like a storehouse of all of this stuff apparently it's all of his old books and that's, they said it's just all kinds of stuff junk mail readers digest bibles it's whatever he had I, yeah like i don't know why is he just trying to get rid of it all but what an odd way to do it and go to the same block every time that was your family's old house very strange very i mean yeah very strange indeed and it's not like he was putting it out for it to be picked up by trash right like he, was, he was just spreading it like you know what I mean? Like, this is a video of it. He was caught in the act. I don't know if we can play the video on here or not. Oh, we'll look at it. We'll have to look it up later. So, you said it's Greenfield? Greenpoint. 
Greenpoint. Yeah, we'll have to look it up on the internet later. But uh, that's that's crazy. I can do a share screen, can I? Um, it won't it won't play very well. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's I guess, I guess I can do a link and put it in the chat or something. Yeah. The, the uh, it's surveillance, but you can see it's on papers out the window. Christ. The whole yeah, yeah, the, the whole zoom. Gone. The whole world's gone crazy. You know I, that 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 makes me uh you know I don't know that that kind of makes me question his uh ability to perform as a sergeant right but they said he was at the auto impound i think they said basically he was working a job where they put police officers who were not in good standing with the department they probably knew something was up with this guy i mean it's sad I, you know obviously we don't know what was going on but upon first blush this sounds like someone who was a little mentally disturbed right Right, right, right. So, upon first blush, I never heard that term before. No, no. Like you, you were getting at me last week about some of the terms I was using. Now, what is upon first blush? What Have you heard of on first blush? No. What is that about? Really? Never heard that before. Now I feel like I'm being gaslighted. I didn't just make that up, did I? I, I've never heard that. I've never heard that before. First impression of a situation, you know, oh, on first blush, I, this is my impression of it. You never heard that before? Is that a New no. York thing? No, I'm looking it up. It's in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, uh, but it says at first blush. It means at the first glimpse or impression, right. which I, I gathered that from the way you used it, but I, I've never heard that before. Wow. For example, at first blush, we thought it was an elegant restaurant, but it soon became obvious that it was hardly the place for a special occasion. This is a good question, though, if you think about it. Why are you blushing? Because that's anyway blushing more than once, right? Like the first time you blushed, you thought it was this, but then you blushed twice and you realized it wasn't. Why is blushing more than once somehow revealing of a certain situation? Uh, unless it's a different definition of of blush, a different usage of blush. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a a, a verb usage of blush, um, a different verb usage. Upon first blush, I think blush is a noun there, isn't it? But I mean, like as far as the meaning of it, but I don't see anything else. It's still it's still talking. About, it's still talking about the, the same meaning. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say maybe it comes from like like uh, brush and it got conflated somehow. You know, <laughs> brushing the, <laughs> the painting becomes more clear, right? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's makeup. Uh, look at that. Even even James and Jennifer in the chat both said they've never heard of it before. Get out of here! You never heard <laughs> that expression before? No, never heard that before. So. You probably heard that somewhere. We do we do that. We pick up phrases, right? We hear something somewhere and then we understand the meaning of it. Maybe mm -hmm. we've heard it more than once. And then it just becomes part of it seems to fit the moment when we speak, even if it's I, like uh, come on. I've been saying that my whole life and hearing it my whole life. It's not a rare thing. Really? You've been yeah. I've never heard you say that. <laughs> you never heard anyone say first blush before? Never. I'm not alone here with this. That but. should be 
poll question of the week. <laughs> <laughs> you heard this expression before. Right? Interesting. Well, one thing that I did find interesting in this article was once the residents found out that this was a police officer, they didn't really want to talk about it anymore. And they were afraid that they would, they would come off as anti-cop or some seemed like they were afraid that the police would go after them. They said, police have a lot of power. We don't want to talk. I mean, I don't know. I've encountered this attitude from people before also. And it's a little puzzling to me. I think we should be able to talk about issues. I mean, if this guy did something that was wild and crazy and wrong, right? Like, because he's a cop. I mean, like, like you said, people in those positions should actually have more accountability. Why would be shy away from being critical of it? And why do we think that that means that we're inherently anti-cop to talk about one person's bad behavior or more than one person's bad behavior? Right. I think some of that's also indicative of, of this, I don't, I don't know if I'd say culture war, but um, this war that's that has it where we have to exalt cops to this certain level or you're completely anti-cop or you're completely one side or the other side it just yeah you know it just doesn't just doesn't make sense it's not it's very counterproductive right you can't right. get to a good space by doing that a good solution to an issue you know you're right. basically refusing to take on the issue by doing that right and 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 you want we we should want our police officers to be held to the highest regard. We should want them to, to have the best of the best on the streets. And that means not only in your skills and in the way you conduct yourself, but even in your behavior. Like we should all want that. You know, we shouldn't want Biff from Back to the Future with a badge. Like right. Should... right. Yeah. I think we need to get away from that cops and robbers mentality where it's like very black and white right very polarized right so it's got you know see this or that like no these are nuanced conversations that we need to be having about right and it's, and it's and it's all it's all rhetoric that that suits whatever the conversation is at the moment like because we've seen like so i mean generally it's like conservatives are like supposed to be super pro-cop and then liberals are the ones who are supposedly against cops but We've seen in actions and, and laws and proposals and things where their conservatives don't follow that super pro cop mentality or that 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 effort that they put out because it doesn't fit whatever that is at the moment. And then some right. liberals are are very pro cop, even though it sounds like they want some want to get rid of them. It's like so it's 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 kind of disingenuous sometimes. Yeah, I mean, January sixth was mostly conservatives who were attacking cops physically right I mean, they were the ones actually <laughs> directing violence towards police officers perfect example you know perfect example if it was all that you were so you know blue lives matter you know you should really be downing the people on january 6th for doing that but that wasn't you know it's it's rhetoric yeah and again i think it's just very counterproductive right if we're trying to have honest conversations about these issues we should be able right. to speak about them freely without being labeled like you know, right. oh, you, hate, you hate cops you're, that's just childish it's so immature right, right? they wouldn't and, and i don't want to pick on these people in this particular article from this block or whatever but no, it's just no. absolutely i encounter enough to where it's just you know I don't, I don't get it i don't really i don't relate to it it's like why are you so afraid to speak on this issue now 
upon learning that he was a cop. So what? Right. Right. And, and, and to be fair, there there has been there has been cases where um, one there is p- police officers do retaliate um, against people who speak against them. Um, so that could be one case. We've seen that with um, what was the the Eric Gardner case when the the guy filmed the the officer choking out that guy to death. Um, and then he was constantly harassed by the police. All he did was be the one that filmed it. Right. And we've seen multiple cases like that. So, you know, that's one ca- one issue. And it could be people in that area are related to cops. And so then they're more reluctant to do that as, as well. Well, I think some of the people in this story were involved with the local block association. And I think they usually have the precinct come down and give reports on what's going on in the area. So they're probably close personally with some of those police officers there. Yeah. Maybe they looked at it like they would be insulting their friends or something, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and ultimately it should be the police coming down to the block association and apologizing for the behavior of this police officer instead of the block association being afraid to speak on it. Yeah. It just shouldn't be, you know? Right. We should be able to have these conversations. And I think showing a willingness to engage in that type of discussion and even criticism when warranted shows that you're really pro-cop, if anything, because you're trying to come to a better place. You're trying right. to get the police department to, to a better position, you know, for right. the sake of everybody. So that's not anti-cop. That's being pro-cop, being pro-people, being pro-good citizen, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... And we, we've, you know, we've talked about it before, um, you know, they're not holding cow- cops accountable, not holding police accountable. Um, not only is it dangerous for it, but there are police within the departments that would like some of this stuff clean, cleaned up and feel pressure to keep quiet as well. And so, you know, speaking out about it, holding people accountable, this this helps everybody. It helps the the so-called good cops inside there as well. Like, so. Yeah, more discussion is a good thing. More speech is good. Yeah. And I guess that leads us to our topic that we wanted to bring up about Arkansas, was it? And the CLU is now going after them for this law concerning parental controls on social media and age verification for everyone just to make sure that you're not a kid right right so yeah so there's a um the aclu the nationwide aclu just filed a proposed amicus amicus brief amicus. Amicus. Amicus brief. so you'll have to explain what that is it's, in a second. Friend. it's latin it means friend so it's friend of the court that means that you're not okay. directly a party to a lawsuit but you're filing uh, to give your opinion, to, to try to influence the court to do to to, to rule in a certain way, so okay. it's like you're, you're a friend of the court, they call that. Okay, so they filed one of those briefs supporting a challenge to an Arkansas law that would require all users, including adults, to verify their ages before using social media, and it would also require young people to get parental approval before accessing their accounts. Now. Uh, courts have repeatedly struck down similar types of uh, age verification types of laws in the past. Um, 
uh, opposing you know age verification and parental consent requirements on access to protected speech including media like video games or website so they're saying their position is it's an unconstitutional and it's a threat to our privacy to limit free speech in such right. a broad way right they're saying it's an unconstitutional restriction on free speech because the government is basically if not prohibiting highly restricting people's right. access to the internet right and social media is so, is so ubiquitous we've talked about this you know it, it really is like basically saying you can't you can't access all the information that everyone else has access to right absolutely absolutely so um and then and you know that's that does bring up an issue it brings a big problem um if people can't access internet and it's, and it's different than if it's like okay facebook says that young people under the age of 13 can't access it or well i mean that's the law that says that but so basically says people under the age of 18 can't access it without parental um parental approval is yeah. very different than the government saying that oh yeah yeah it is the government versus a private actor and we've talked about free speech constitutionally applies right. against the government right the government right come in and restrict that unless they meet strict scrutiny right like we talked about with the affirmative action case it's a little bit of a different constitutional framework there you know that was equal protection 14th amendment this is free speech first amendment although if you want to be very technical it actually is also a 14th amendment case because you're talking about the state doing it, right the first amendment talks about congress so that's the federal government the 14th mm -hmm. amendment is the one that's held against the states and so those fundamental rights that are in amendments such as the First Amendment, like free speech, are held against the states via the 14th Amendment. So it is the same actual amendment that was at play in that affirmative action case. Although, again, a little bit different because we're talking about free speech here, not equal protection. So that was about discrimination, right? This is about free speech. But constitutionally, a similar type of analysis would apply where any restrictions on speech would have to overcome strict scrutiny. So the government would have to have a very compelling reason for why they're doing it. And they would have to be achieving this compelling reason via the least restrictive means. They call that narrow tailoring. So the question to ask is, why is Arkansas doing this? And are they doing it in the least restrictive way possible? And I think I think it becomes even more of a, a, a harder bar to reach when then adults are included like if it was just for for young people i think they could probably make a better argument saying well this is for the safety of the children we've seen all these studies about how detrimental um social media is for their, their social yeah. uh development and mental well-being and health but this is also adults can't access it without oh, correct, correct me if i'm wrong isn't the age verification just to make sure that you are an adult like if you show that you're over 18 then can't you just use it right this is this is for to require all users including adults to verify their ages before using social media and would require young people to get parental approval before accessing right. their right but i'm saying isn't the age verification for adults just to make sure that you're not a kid so if you show that you're not a kid then you're done you can use it right um it, it would seem so yeah but the point but the thing, is still valid that you're still burdening the adult right. because the adult now has to be able to prove that right right and and my thing would be like if it was just say you know a, a bill that said the kids had to get parental approval 
then they can go with the argument that this is for the safety of the children. We're trying to protect the children, this and that. But I'm saying is, I'm sure what they're going to say is that they do the age verification to prove that you're not a kid. True. Otherwise, the kid can just use it and say, I'm an adult. Like, how do they know that that's right. a kid? Right. True, right. true, true, true. Yeah. So like, I, it I, does sweep adults into it. So, so even if an adult were just going on a business trying to get on the internet, we would now have this extra barrier that we didn't right. have before. And the question is, does the government have a compelling reason to do that? And are they achieving that through the least restrictive means possible? I don't know. It does seem pretty much of a stretch. But the question also then is, what exactly are they doing to make you prove it? I mean, you have that's, to that's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's, yeah. What do you what do you have to do to prove it? And who's the one that's who's going to be verifying it? So right. uh, I see a lot and of cases. Take? Is it automatically verified? Does, does someone sit in an office going through all these licenses that get scanned? Like, how does it work? And then what happens to that information? Do they keep your license on file now? Right. And see, that's that's even more of a problem, I think. So so what happens in a lot of cases when they're doing age verification, at least, at least I've seen a lot um, in the last few years, is where basically on your smartphone, you can you'd scan the front and the back of your of your ID and submit that through through the app. And then that either goes to um, a third party verification system that that checks it and then gives you. Uh, approval or whatnot or it goes to someone in a live setting who can look at it and say uh maybe the algorithm says okay this is fine or it says okay maybe this needs to be checked by a human then a human takes a look at it hmm. um but then again that brings up um who's holding on to this information and do you want these third parties and this and whatnot to be holding on to your your data like that your yeah. id how long does it take with today's technology is it easier to instantly verify someone's age. Are there other things that you could do that wouldn't take long? Let's say this took a human intervening and, you know, you try and get online. It could be urgent, but if you really need to get information online, and, I, and again, I guess they're saying this is just social media, it's not all the internet, right? But for whatever reason, so you had to get on social media for something urgently. I mean, it's certainly plausible that nowadays you would need to for whatever reason, you know, um, but you can't. What if it takes you a day to be verified? Two days, a week, a long time. Right. right. What kind of damage could that actually do to someone, man? In today's world, it could be significant, I think. Right. So I, it's very problematic, I think, to to start introducing this type of legislation. And hopefully this gets, in my opinion, hopefully, I hope this gets beaten down. You know, don't forget a lot of public officials nowadays communicate almost exclusively through social media. So if you don't have access to it, you could be missing out on updates from your elected officials of what's happening in the community. You know, that was that's the police yeah. department oftentimes uses that. Right. I mean, you, you might not know what's happening locally with the police or with crime or suspects on the run, whatever it is. I mean, th th it could be vital information that the government is restricting you from and that right. is problematic. Right. And and ACLU brought that up in, in their message, their um, not tweet. This was a thread that I read it on. Um, they said that people of all ages rely on social media for news alerts, political discussions, artistic expression and more. As written, the law threatens our freedom access to that. We deserve better than legislation that prioritizes control and surveillance over our constitutional rights. So they so, brought up this, that same idea. Right. And I really would like to know what the verification is. 
maybe we can find that out. What are they asking you to do? I mean, is it as simple as just entering your birthday? That's not really verifying anything. That's just telling you put it type in a birthday. Anyone could do that. But how you know how checked is this? Because the question would become: Is that the least burdensome way of achieving it? Now, of course, you know if it's just a sham, right? If it was you know, enter your birthday, or, or let's say it was even simpler than that. Let's say it was: Do you promise you're over eighteen? Yes or no? You can say, "Oh, sure, that's the easiest way to do it." But then you're not really doing it, right? That's not at a certain point. You could argue that it's not really verifying it, and so you actually aren't meeting that compelling interest, assuming that there is a compelling interest in the first place, right? So well, that's, that's how problem. it's been. This, that's how it's been thus far, right? Like. In any sort of age verification, it's like, oh, are you 18 or over? Like, if you go to like uh, the Budweiser site, like you can't access it. You're not supposed to be able to access it. They and, say. Uh, and if you say if you say you're under, they send you to the Disney website. There's something like that, right? And so, but it's it's really on the person to to be truthful. Which to me, personally, I think that's fine. Um, Is that the- really age verification? And if you can establish as the government, as a state, that you have a compelling interest in keeping children off social media without parental consent, right? Let's say you can prove that part of the problem for whatever reason, you're able to get past that. Are you meeting that compelling interest by just asking the child, are you over 18? Right. Well, this is for, for those interested in looking up, this is Arkansas Act 689, also known as Social Media Safety Act is what they're calling it. Uh, this uh, was signed uh, by Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, signed into law on April 2023. If it allowed to go into effect, the law would require users to provide personal information such as driver's license or photo ID to companies or applications that purport to be able to verify their ages. Okay, so there you go. So let's do it like this. I'm the lawyer. You're the expert witness. I'm putting you on the stand and I'm asking you what is being done to verify people's ages. And you're telling me that the state is requiring driver's licenses and other information to be provided. My question to you would be, are there any less burdensome ways of verifying someone's age than that? And I would say we don't need to verify people's age. No, but that's not the question. <laughs> I'm asking you if, if there are less burdensome ways to verify someone's age. A less burdensome way to verify someone's age? Or at least restrict less restrictive way. And am I in support verify their age? Am I in support of it? Is that, is that the position I'm supposed to be taking? No. You're yeah. my witness. So you're, you're probably against the state if I'm calling you. As the witness, yeah, I don't think we need to verify ages. I don't but that's think not the question. I'm asking you. It, it, let, let's assume that we have to, and, okay. and the, the state is doing it. Is there a way to do it that's less burdensome than that? Because we're trying to defeat that prong of the test. We maybe we've right. already argued the other prong. We have our own arguments for that. But let's just put that aside for now and say, even assuming that that is a compelling interest, is that the least restrictive way of meeting that interest? Is there any other way to do it? that's less burdensome on the user that's less burdensome on the user yeah yes okay what is that you could just ask for um age verification like has been done for the past 30 years that's less burdensome on the user they just put in a birth date but is that truly verifying their age you think that actually constitutes age verification that's what has been age verification for the past 30 years so i mean whether it's as effective as actually seeing a license, no, it probably isn't. But 
you ask for a less burdensome way for for it to you know for the user to put in their verification is it full verification probably not but i think we've been going through the motions in that regard um and i think i think we're seeing that it's not really that necessary some of that should fall to if you're if your concern is that it is the children are getting a hold of these websites i think it's less on the state and more on the parents on the home to to do that i mean websites can put up say hey we've got uh, uh an age verification here you put in a birth date sure a child can put in any any age and even adults put in any age that's because they don't want to put in their real age to give people information um if the state has a compelling interest for argument's sake in verifying someone's age before using social media are they even meeting that interest by just asking someone what their birthday is is that really solving the issue no but it's the que my question is is there an issue i think that's like we're arguing question, no, i agree with that i agree that that's a valid question but i'm just trying to figure out if this method of asking for a driver's license would be constitutionally permissible assuming that the state has a compelling interest in the first place so that's a separate I, question i know i get i get that but i think that even just going down that route is putting the ball in the, in the other court when it shouldn't be like it shouldn't even be we shouldn't even be talking the, at that point but there's they're, they're, they have no reason to be <laughs> so asking that, that question. The two prong test, basically, and it fails at the first prong, so you don't need to get to the second prong. That's, that's it's, what it's I, not a compelling interest. That's, that's what I think. That's yeah, I, I think you might be right on that. I'm just trying to think if, even if it was, if that's the way to do it. If, if they could prove interest. that there wasn't a compelling interest. Like, yeah, I, let, let, let's say that the court agrees that there is a compelling interest in verifying a child's age before getting on social media. Let's say they agree Remember, with that. This is not just the child. The, the adults are roped into this too. Sure, they're roped into it too, but the compelling interest would be to protect children, right? Well, um, I don't know if that's what their reasoning is behind it, but we could probably assume that that's how they're gonna argue it. Um, let's see. Um, I'm gonna pull up the actual text of this bill here. I think I got um, the. Here, I, just, I, I can send you the article that came. Oh, no, through. no, no, no. It's, it's gotta be on here somewhere. Bill they, number. Yeah, lawmakers the are claiming. Website. Lawmakers uh, are claiming the legislation is aimed at giving parents more control over their kids' social media usage and protecting teens from the harm social media may impose on young adults and mental health. Right. Um, they're saying it unfairly, this law not only fails to protect children, it also unfairly burdens users who care about anonymity, privacy, and security online and may put users' personal data at risk. And I think that is a big point that needs to be, you know, reiterated over and over again. So I don't. And it's really first in its kind, right? We've never seen any other state do something like this okay no we have not now there are some sites that require verification but not for just general social media right so for example um what was it i, I think I, I did something uh what last year earlier this year i did something um with um social security um information um i think I had to update it something or whatever but to get on to the website to be able to do it you have to go through this, I think it's um, gov.id or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so you have to provide your ID verification to access this stuff. But this is also deep. Hey, here we go. It's not just general social media. I was just reading through the text of the actual 
legislation here about what age verification is. And they say that broadly, the social media company shall use a third party vendor to perform reasonable age verification. But then it goes into specifics. It says reasonable age verification methods include providing, and it's got three choices here. One, a digitized identification card, including a digital copy of a driver's license or government issued ID or any commercial, commercially reasonable age verification method. Okay, so that's the catch all. Any commercial, commercially reasonable age verification method. So I believe that this is going to come down to what those methods are and are they using the, the least restrictive means? Because it seems to me that having to provide your actual ID is much more burdensome than some of the other methods that might be out there. And not only burdensome, it's, it's, I, I see a privacy issue. Um, I see sure. a, a safety issue. Um, I'm just yeah, speaking yeah, on these, the, the constitutional analysis of right. the restriction of free speech, right? Of course, there right. are other issues beyond that too. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think ID verification is kind of what, what we see as a standard in a lot of things. Like you go, you want to buy alcohol, you show ID, you go into a club, you, you show ID. And so maybe that's what people are feeling like that's um, the standard way to do it or the best right. way to verify it. But hold on a second, buying alcohol and going to a club, those are much different activities than speaking. No, I agree. Each I, ones, right? I agree. Now, imagine, saying- right, imagine the government says you have to show me ID before you speak, which is what they're doing here, essentially. Right. I agree. I'm just saying that maybe that's where they're coming from when saying using ID to verify is because that's how we verify identification. Right. You know, what would be an interesting part of this case. Also, they may have to bring in experts, maybe child psychologists or people with expertise in children's behavior to ask them if simply asking a child what year they were born or asking a child their age is effective or if that reasonably verifies an age how would most children respond to that if a child is trying to get on social media i'm sure it depends on their age right let's say it's a let's say it's a well i don't know i'm not an expert in the field but if it's a four-year-old trying to get on facebook and it says how old are you son how old are you little kid are they going to answer truthfully or are they going to say i was born in in 1800 what are they going to say a four-year-old yeah four-year-old is is not going to be like but junior high school student fifth grade sixth grade something like that they're gonna lie they're gonna i mean listen even as adults we don't put in our oftentimes we don't put in our ages how many friends do you have on facebook now when their birthday comes up and says they're 100 years old right like i've never seen that 100 years old never seen that you you see uh, you you got your um friends list like oh these friends have birthdays coming up today or birthdays today and it lists the age like this person's going to be 30 this person's going to be 45 this person's going to be 100 and you know they're not 100 but it's because they put in um a false birthday because they don't want to put their information no yeah i did see i don't know if it was tinder one of the dating apps people were talking about that where if you pull your profile in from facebook it right. pulls the birthday in from that as well. And then some right. people said that they lied 
on their Facebook profile when they first created it, but they did that because they had to be, I think, I don't know if it's still like that. I think back in the day, you had to be of a certain age to get on Facebook. And so they lied about their age when they made their Facebook profile to appear older than they were so that they could access it. And now on their dating profile, it shows them as being older than they actually are. Yeah, no, I, I, routine, I think people do it for a variety of reasons, right? For either just because it's privacy, they don't want they don't want this company knowing their their age. It's none of their business, really. Um, or maybe it's you know just a default. Just they don't want to you know people to put in January first. Um, what was it January first, nineteen hundred, as as the birth date? Just because it's something a round number. Like, right. There's all kinds of reasons why. And, um, yeah. And then anonymity, anonymity, privacy, right. all of that. Right. Yeah. But so there you go. If we're going to say that most children under 18, especially when they reach a certain age, are just going to lie, then I think there's an argument that you're not truly doing reasonable age verification by just asking them their birthday. Maybe you need to do something more to meet that compelling interest. But I think there's a very strong argument in the idea that you're burdening even adults by making them show their license. And so if the compelling interest is to protect children, are you meeting that compelling interest by the least restrictive means in sweeping adults into it and burdening them as well? Because now you're, you're, you're putting a restriction on everyone, right? You're, right? you're certainly inconveniencing them and maybe more. And the, 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 the burden, if there needs to be a burden here, if you're concerned about children accessing social media or certain sites on the internet, that should fall to the parents, yeah. right? That's that's the that's the one the most logical the most responsible way of doing it. The state shouldn't be doing it. The government shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't put that burden or or um, the whole responsibility shouldn't be on the social media company. His parents are the ones who should be utilizing the tools that they have. Either look if you don't want your kid to be on these certain websites, make the computer put the computer in the in the living room so. You know, they can't be on porn if they're sitting next to grandma watching, you know, her gun smoke shows. And that right? is right. That's an argument for the first prong of the test not being met. Right. That's the argument for the state not having a compelling interest and in even trying to do this. Right. And, and I think every, every it does come off as excessively puritanical. Right. Like, why is the state even trying to monitor this at all? Why is it? And it's funny because we just talked about how you have these labels where people try to say, oh, conservatives like this, progressives like this. But you usually hear conservatives say that they are in favor of smaller government and government yeah. being at, right not in your business. But here's yeah, an example yeah. of them, I think, putting it way too much into someone's business. Every Every device. And not only every device, but every social media platform has parental controls. Uh, as a parent, you can say, I mean, people have the Internet in their pocket. Your kid could be out. They could be Googling Pornhub or they can be on Pornhub, like, you know, in the park somewhere. And you wouldn't know. But if you're the one buying that device, if you're the one that has control, you're the parent. You have controls on that device that you can stop it from going to certain places. You can and, and you can make it so the children can't change those settings. So you've got control of the device if you choose to use them. Same with their iPads, same with their computers. And then each one of these social media accounts have parental controls in them as well. So you could tell your child, OK, pull up your Facebook profile. I need to set parental controls. Now, of course, kids are getting around that by doing this. They have their 
their account that their parents know about and they have the account that their parents don't know about right. but then again you put the controls on device and they can't get around that so parents have to start using the tools that are available and take that responsibility instead of you know leaving it up to the government or the the social media companies to do it it does say here just for the record in this legislation it says if a social media company performs a reasonable age verification it shall not retain any identifying information of the individual after access to the platform has been granted so at least that's in there it doesn't mean that that's going to be always enforced or practice but they did at least have the mind yeah. to put that in the bill right yeah it's 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 crazy it's 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 crazy it's too much control it's too it's too invasive um it's dangerous yeah uh, well all that. why don't we make that the poll of the week sounds good to me thank you pj i see pj in the chat what's going on pj um Jennifer's and says my 10 year old does not even know the year he was born. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting to me, right? Because we as adults think it, it sounds silly to ask someone the year of their birth as age verification because like, oh, they'll just lie. But if you're a kid, maybe you won't even know how to successfully lie to pass that right. question, right? Because you think an old person was born so long ago, like you're not, you're not going to what year to put in there. I was born in 1775, like my mom, you know, you don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, see, Jennifer also brought up in the chat, same point I made that you can put a parental lock on the device already. Like the tools are there. The tools yeah. are there. Here, another, oh, she's got a really good comment. This is what I'm talking about. She's like, yes, it's up to the parents. You can even control how much time they can have access on the internet and when rules of the phone shuts down she mm. set up all the parental controls on every single device even the ps4 mm. like it, the tools are there the companies have made the effort this is is an overreach in my opinion this is an overreach um by by conservatives um for one and maybe just some outrage from parents who just aren't aren't handling their business if right. there is parental right. outrage that prompted this i don't know it could just be and there's to get in their business but there's a great irony here because you saw a couple of years ago the number one issue in elections statewide mm. was parent choice when it came to schools when it came to the curriculum they mm. said that the state should not be in the business of setting the educational agenda for their children, that the parents should all get together and decide what should be taught to their kids, right? And that was a conservative viewpoint. I mean, the, I remember the, yeah. the election in Virginia was contested largely on that issue. And that's how the governor there won, what was his name? Uh, Yonkin, I think his name is, right? He won mainly on that issue, polls showed after the election. And if that's the view that parents should have more control, this would seem to be the opposite of that. This is saying that we can't trust parents with controlling what their child does on social media, at least. And we need the government to step in and restrict it, monitor it. I mean, that's the opposite of what they're saying should happen at schools. So why is it that your school, you know, when it comes to your child's education, it should be up to the parents only. But when it comes to their social media activity, it's the government's job. Yeah. And and look, 
this is this isn't even new having these um parental controls there have been parental controls since the days of aol like these right. tools have always been available remember remember net nanny and and those things that were uh i guess they used to ship with i guess with the cds or or have the advertisements for things like net nanny that would do do yeah, the same yeah yeah now it's built into every device that you've got it's built into your operating systems it's built into um every social media platform you can go in there and, and explore these types of things and they're very extensive they give you a lot of control over things it's it's just you know it's it's foolish that people trying to either pass it off to the the government to do or put it on the responsibility of the the companies social media companies when they've already taken the steps um instead of doing it themselves so right and that would be part of the legal argument in terms of does the government have a compelling interest to step in you'd have to ask why does the government think it needs to be in this arena at all why right. are the parents incapable of doing this why are you all up in their business so the poll question of the week is should age verification and parental consent be required to access social media mm. right i wonder if we should add um, id age verification in there well, it's not necessarily ID. If you look at the language of this legislation, that was one of the three choices it gave the social media companies. It did have that catch-all of a reasonable, commercially available verification system. Right. But, but those really what are those other systems and are they less burdensome than the ID? Right. Some of those would also require IDs though. Um some of them. And the question would be, is the simple asking you your age? Is that considered a reasonable commercially available verification system? It might be. Uh, to me, I think it's fine, but I know. I, I think I think they're they're getting too much into people's business. Alternative me, ulterior motives. Um, I think this, and I can't think of what it was, but if I remember right, in a couple past couple of years, there have been some conservative either government uh, or politicians that wanted to get these types of records of the users um, oh i think i know what you're talking about for people who wanted to get licensed to buy a gun um no i don't think it was a gun it was it was it was people that were criticizing trump mm. um people that were criticizing trump or the government and and so some of these conservative entities were looking to get um user identification information and people were calling this for this is a very not only is it very dangerous because this could lead to some sort of retaliation um but you know it was a far overreach it never went through but this was a talk for for a hot minute um but this this to me is one way that that can happen because now they do this verification who's to say that now the government doesn't have access to those to those records right for that means the government's got got not only your name and ID stuff, which they already have, but they've got a definitive um, connection to what social media account you're using. Right. Um, your username. That's a little bit scary, right? Because we always feel like we have a little bit of autonomy in a sense that, sure, you know, there's the DMV and you can say the government 
knows who I am and that's all well and good. But when we're on social media, we like to think of it as not entirely anonymous, depending on the site, but it's at least in our control, right? The idea that it's tied to our ID through the government is a little bit scary, right? It it just means that, I don't know, it's just, it's indicative of more surveillance or the ability to have more surveillance and just be all up in your, in your privacy. And yeah, it just raises those, those types of concerns, like, you know, get on my business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's, that's a greater issue. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that this is what this bill is, is doing, right. but it, it can open the doorway for that because someone's going to be holding those records. And to be Some- fair, the legislation does demand that they don't keep the records, but you don't know if you can always trust that. Right. We've seen that that's, that's not the case. And, 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 and other, um, in other situations where the, the companies are supposed to delete the information, they've been found to hold on to it. Like, for example, I think it was, um, uh, and this is a different, a little bit different. This was Snapchat and Snapchat's whole thing was that it was disappearing messages. Um, but then they found that Snapchat was saving these messages. Yeah. And so like, that was a real violation. So it's happened before. And then, then let's look at the, the leaks. How many, how many data leaks do we have per year that are massive scales of people's personal information that's supposed to be in the most secure uh systems and they're still getting leaked or hacked so to to try to keep using these systems I right, and that's what it is also you can say they've got to get rid of the records but first of all are they even that computer savvy the people who work in these government agencies maybe they're deleting them or they're putting them in a recycle bin right but the backups are still there they're still accessible they're still in the computer they're still in the hard drive somewhere Right. I mean, well, cause yeah, I mean, if you go that route, like once you delete something on your computer, it's not completely gone. It can be right. recovered because it right. sits there until that space so it's is overwritten. Right. So it's overwritten. Right. So if you it's never the fill up your computer, space, that you can overwrite this data, but you don't know right. when it's going to be gone, if ever. Right. So that can be pulled back up. Yeah. Um, so that's an issue. But even if we take, you know, we say maybe the user's not savvy enough or, or, or these agencies aren't savvy enough, but we're seeing people like, like Apple or or these massive companies that are savvy enough, still getting hacked, still getting right. data taken right. from. So it's not even a matter of necessarily of being savvy enough. It's a matter of when it's going to happen because there's a constant push to try to get this type of data. And so that's my, it's my one of my big issues with the cloud and storing everything in the cloud because then it makes all this personal private stuff accessible and uh, a target of being hacked and taken because we see governments government stuff gets hacked and, right you know so it's like i think no, we should- and when we think of government sometimes people think of the government as like this mythical entity in the sky that's all powerful and omnipotent and, you know uh, but really, yeah right but it's really not and this is coming from someone who's worked within government they hire regular people to do these jobs and you're not going to assume that they're all tech savvy you think this person in arkansas was hired to verify someone's id let's say you think they're going to be the most tech savvy person in the world i can gar- almost guarantee you that they're not right so right. it is very susceptible to being hacked right let's say they think they're following instructions yeah i put it in the recycle bin every day maybe you didn't get everything maybe you know Maybe it's it's backed up somewhere. Maybe it's in temp files, and you're not clicking the catch and the cookies and everything properly, right? Like it it is very easily manipulated. And right. like you said, even if you do the right thing and delete it, it's still technically on your computer until it's overwritten by something else. Right. Um, it does raise security concerns. Absolutely, I worked 
for the state of Georgia, I think I mentioned it a while ago, um, I was helping them administer COVID rent relief funds. Um, part of what we had to do was look at people's information to see if they qualified for this money. Um, yeah, you did have private information and we were supposed to take precautions to obviously dispose of it once it was used. But you have all these people, you know, now, now you're talking about lawyers who are maybe good at law, but they're probably not going to be the most tech savvy either. Um, right. With You know, the, the, the more people that you've got doing it, the more prone to error you're going to be. And somewhere right. along the way, someone is not going to do everything properly. And, and there's going to be information that's, you know, easily or on a computer somewhere that where it shouldn't be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So hopefully they get hopefully they can beat this down but it does sound like it's a little bit of a lost cause because it was she signed it into law so well that's why you have the court case right you have to challenge it constitutionally yeah absolutely and it's a very interesting case it's one that i would love to work on myself this is the type of what i like to do yeah so we'll see what kind of responses we get on the poll yeah let's see see where that goes hopefully is that the job? You know, I I predict uh -oh. I predict people are going to say that they shouldn't have the ID verification. That they should not have it. Because right. they're on social media already and they don't want it to be harder to be on social well, media. Well, because it's also it's also government interfering. It's a government getting in your business. And I think they're gonna be more people opposed to that. So that's like the more libertarian side than the more pure tax. I think even the conservatives. I think even the conservatives, if you put it to that's them, what I mean. But you can split it into more libertarian leaning, like get out my business types, or yeah. types, or the you know we need to look out for the children. Because I think you're seeing this probably come from not the libertarian wing, certainly, right? You're seeing this come from more the the Christian way. I would think that's where we're coming from, right? Like the, that type of conservatism, like right? Yeah watch all these kids by any means but i think there's probably there would probably be a good sizable group of conservatives who would look at it and be like this is an overreach uh, i think there's i think there is common ground here or potential yeah. for common ground against something like this across conservatives liberals libertarians right. progressive because right. of that government intrusion in, into your business and fundamentally the word liberal really means free right freedom right. so you know, I, this does seem to be a violation of your freedom. And yeah, you would think no matter what your political philosophy is, it, it does seem like it's going far. Yeah. So we will see. And of course, you know, we're a New York based show primarily, right? This is an Arkansas also. People of Arkansas might feel differently about it than we do. Yeah. But if it happens there, conservatives will probably introduce similar laws in different states and now we've got a, a nationwide spread yeah it could happen it could happen but again, how crazy is it going to be people are going to have to start using fake ids to use their like instagram account to go online to yeah you know but you know again this is why we have the courts and hopefully the judges will do the right thing and apply the correct standard of constitutional scrutiny right and if you are using a strict scrutiny standard as should be applied when you're talking about restrictions on free speech, which is a fundamental right, then the burden should be on the government 
to make its case. It's presumptively unconstitutional unless they can overcome those hurdles that we talked about. And so it shouldn't be on the people challenging the lawsuit. If you can identify that your free speech rights are being restricted here, now the government has to show why it did what it did and have damn good reason, right? And do so with the least restrictive means. So Arkansas should have the burden of making out its case and proving the constitutionality of this law. Interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, we shall see. And as always, we thank you all for joining us. What is the bottom line, Jay? Uh, The bottom line, the bottom line is that I think we should, uh, it might sound a little bit more conservative, but the government should get out of people's business as well. Get off my lawn. Uh Huh? Get off my lawn. Yeah, the guy. we, we should stop trying to to have other entities police things that we can we should be taking care of our, ourselves right if you're worried about your children and their things online utilize the tools that are available there are tons of them at the device level at the the website level the application level there are tons of those things if you're worried about them going to general websites there are things that you can do you can put your computer your family computer in the front room you can make sure they don't have a private computer or put the controls on those things i think governments should stop trying to to look to controlling people in their personal lives um especially when the tools are out there for them to take that responsibility to what's acceptable to them in in their own personal lives so get out of each other's business in that regard so the bottom that's the bottom line that is the bottom line I like it. And as always, people can find us everywhere on social media without ID, unless you're in Arkansas, I guess. You <laughs> can find us on YouTube at Nuance Show. We post the replays there as well as clips throughout the week. So check that out. I believe we're over 70,000 views now on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. It'll be nice to hit that 100,000 milestone at some point soon. We are, of course, on Instagram. At Nuance Show. And if you like podcasts, wherever podcasts are available, you can get the show pushed directly to your device. So subscribe at Spotify, Apple, wherever else you get your podcasts. Make sure your parents have uh, controls to allow your to allow the podcast to come through. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> tell us the year of your birth before proceeding. <laughs> right. Yeah, you have to put your year, your birth in the comments before you can listen. That's right. I think that's a reasonable verification, don't you? <laughs> that's crazy. Well, thank you all for listening. I did want to mention really quickly. I mean, everyone knows it by now, but the tent city, I guess they were calling it, of migrants, they said it's not happening. And so a lot of people came out to rally against that yesterday as of now it's been announced it's it's not a deal of course we're going to keep an eye on that but just an update that was big news locally around here so a lot of people were involved and very interested in that development absolutely so as always thank you for checking us out we've got work to do and we'll catch you next time